Hey guys, welcome into the show. It's your Monday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown, and I hope you're well. Hope you had a great weekend. Had a nice weekend, obviously, a little Father's Day action. Had a pleasant little wedding, no pun intended, back in my hometown. Got to see a good friend of mine get married. Got to see some people I wanted to see, some people I wasn't crazy about seeing, but that seems to be how it is when you're in your 30s and you go back for a... uh, Go back for a wedding in your hometown. But it was it was a good weekend otherwise. Hopefully your weekend was great. Hopefully your Father's Day was great. A belated happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. We are going to bring in a father in just a moment from the OBR. But I want to talk real quick about what you can find on the OBR website, which is not much over the weekend, but some interesting things. We had some film room content up the Dawson Deaton film room where we finished up Corey Kennan did a great job of finishing up all the draft prospects so you can learn more about Dawson in that film room we had AFC North player rankings wide receivers so Cody Sook went through all of the wide receivers in the division and ranked them accordingly and then we had the GM chair series that Jack Duffin is running on defensive tackles 2022 23 and 24 looking forward And then lastly, Jack put up today his Kareem Hunt versus Dearness Johnson, the battle for running back number two, which we will get into on Tuesday's podcast, uh, which is an interesting debate. Should the tough decision arise where the Browns might move on from one of them, Jack gives his opinion on that running back situation, which I'm not totally 100% in lockstep with him, but I get where he is coming from. And I'll talk with Jack at some point about that. Uh, but but I get a lot of where he's coming from, and the Browns might be viewing it exactly the same, even as Kareem Hunt makes a, he starts to make a public play for another contract in Cleveland, talking about wanting to potentially retire. The only news, a uh, retire Cleveland Brown, I should say, not that he's talking about retiring yet. The only news that was out over the weekend on the Browns that really mattered is this report from uh, you know, everybody pretty much WKYC, Cleveland.com, our own Brad Stainbrook, that the Cleveland Browns ownership is co- potentially considering two uh, put, like new locations for a next stadium. So what those locations are, I don't totally know. And there's just, there's been a ton of stuff floated out there, but it feels like there is a push for a stadium that can do more than just have eight football games or nine or ten, depending on if you make a, you know, make that ninth game in the new season, or if you have that playoff run, which we are kind of all hoping the Cleveland Browns will eventually have. But there's a push for more hosting college football games, hosting conference championship games, hosting concerts, hosting bigger events, um, even getting crazier in line of maybe someday in a pipe dream of a Super Bowl or something along those lines. It feels like an indoor retractable roof situation is looming on the horizon. Where they put that, I don't know. It'll be a long way out. But what you notice is that every year the annual checkup of the stadium keeps yielding more and more fixes, more and more money. We talked on this pod a couple weeks ago about how it became public that the Browns had upward of $10 million of fixes to make going into this year to be up to code. So those add up year to year. And there's obviously a desire for a stadium that does more than just host football games. So, you know, I think the news on this will keep popping up and I think it will get play. We'll see what the Haslam's do to cover it. There was word over the weekend, at least I had seen, and maybe this was old news that sort of quietly that the the Haslam's were in on the Nashville Predators purchase. Um, 
I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but I've seen that out there. I don't know if it's been confirmed, but it seems like the Haslam's are spending a lot of money and hopefully they are able to spend a lot of money and avoid taxpayer dollars going into it at least somewhat the burden of the Cleveland taxpayers going into a new stadium. So we'll see about that. We're going to welcome in Corey Kennan. Corey, as you know, does great draft content for us at the OBR among many other things. Corey, what up, man? How are you? Happy Father's Day. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, Father's Day is a little different when you have, you know, a five-month-old who doesn't really do anything besides scream and poop. But, you know, it's it's a cool experience. It's a cool experience. It's my first one, so cool experience. it's pretty cool. But, you know, yeah. we took a nice little walk this afternoon, got him to sleep in the stroller. But, yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a good day. It's a good day. Good to hear, man. Um, where are you as we get kicked off here? Where are you on team uh, build a stadium with a with a roof? Or, or are you like one of these through and through guys who believe that the Browns should play outdoors no matter what? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. So the one part that's like, I mean, I see the merits to it one way or the other. Like in Buffalo, there's a direct advantage for the Bills because they play in that weather and they know how to play in that weather. And teams who go up to Buffalo in November, December, like really struggle. Like that's a, that's an apparent thing. And we don't know if we have that in Cleveland because Cleveland football has been so bad. They haven't been good wherever they're at. So, like, I, I don't know if, if, if Cleveland has a direct <laughs> advantage the way Buffalo, you know, like a team like Buffalo does. So that's that's hard to, to get behind. I don't know. I would say uh, the the one thing that's really been pressing, though, is like the kicking game. So, like, kicking in a dome would be so much easier where nobody has known, known how to cl- kick in Cleveland since Phil Dawson. And we hope that changes with, changes with Cade York. But it's very difficult to kick right off the lake right there. So I don't know. I mean, a dome would yeah. be cool. A dome would be cool. I feel like attendance might be better. Nobody wants to, I mean, that's not true. People get drunk and go to games whenever, but games would be more enjoyable in November and December. I would say they, they would, I would say I would counter your argument. You're nobody knows how to kick. It seems like opposing kickers know how to kick in Cleveland. Just fine. You know, it seems like opposing kickers come into Cleveland and handle it quite well, but the Browns can't seem to find one. Now maybe they found a guy who has some talent here in Cade York and the talent part of the equation was what was missing. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I, I'm a, I'm I'm in favor of them getting more for the city of Cleveland, and if that means more sporting events, more uh, ways to bring money into the city than just these football games, then that would be really cool. So I do hope uh, I hope they they find a way to do that down the line, and hope that the burden isn't too bad on on the people who would have to pay for that, and the Haslam's can pony up a decent amount of money for it because it seems like they're able to. Pony up a decent amount of money for just about anything right now. So, listen, we're going to switch over to talking about Nick Chubb. Uh, we're starting, obviously, as you know, uh, those of you who listen to this pod, we did quarterbacks last week. If you did not listen, I did with Jared Mueller, uh, the, the singular pod. And most of the big players at the position, I'm going to focus on them during a, an episode. And then uh, if there's a couple of big names at the positions, I'll probably do a couple different episodes. But uh, you know, we're going to spend time on these guys that matter and then kind of cover the uh, what we used to call back in high school, the AYOs, the all you others that are on the roster. They'll get their day on the pod, but they'll be lumped together. We did last week Deshaun Watson's own pod, and then I recorded a solo podcast, and that one was with Jared Mueller. And then I did a solo podcast with uh, that focused on Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs going into the year. So quarterbacks covered. You can go back and check that out. We're going to do a running series here. We're going to shift a running back, and if we shift a running back, we're going to talk about Nick Chubb. So 
listen, I'll, I'll kind of let you start hit lead off court. Where, where are you on Nick uh, this year? It seems like to me, there's a gigantic misunderstanding of most running back rankings. Like to me, most people think of running backs with a fantasy cap on. And if you look at Nick Chubb from a, a fantasy football perspective with people who cut into his production, you know, obviously Kareem, it seems like Dearness is going to still get some run, even if both of those guys in front of him are playing, he's going to get some cut into it. So it's obvious that Nick is not going to be a gigantic carry guy. He's not going to be somebody who runs the football, you know, upwards of 300 times in a season, like Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry or some of these others who have, who have gone close to that number. I mean, Nick has gone close to that number one time in 2019. He got 298 for that's I mean, clearly his best production from a yardage standpoint season. But I think what people have to calm down about is understanding a fantasy outlook on running back versus reality, because reality, you can look up numbers here, Corey, and there's not many guys who are better than him. I, I think you have a clear argument that Nick is the best pure talent at the running back position of a football of a football runner. Uh, yeah, I am in lockstep with you. And I, I hope this doesn't sound like a Homer take on a Browns podcast, but I really do think Nick Chubb is, is kind of one of one. Um, he can do it all. Like, what can't he do? Like, he's light on his feet. Uh, his vision is exceptional. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a good receiving back. They don't target him a ton. Like, they're not going to use him as a mismatch the way, you know, Christopher McCaffrey or, or, or people like that are going to be used. But he's, a, he's got good hands. Uh, he's strong after contact. So, like, I don't think there's a soft spot in his game. I could be wrong. Maybe you see something that I don't, but I don't. I don't see a, a, a soft spot in his game. No, I, I really don't either. I, we'll talk about the categories that we do on all of these guys in just a minute. We'll we'll do what we always do, which is you know the best parts of their game, areas that need improving, and outcome examples for twenty two. But I think we should probably hit with the one category, which is data driven stuff. Right? We should lead off with this. And what we're going to do, Corey, is I'm going to here's a fun exercise. What I do is I, I search in, t- in the Twitter bar, Nick Chubb and the word sense, and not sense as in your smell, S-E. I'm talking about sense of duration of time, S-I-N-C-E, and you will find some bananas stats about what he has done since a portion of time, 2018, 2019, 2020, and so on and so forth, and where he ranks in the league. And what we're going to do is we're going to rank these stats by are you – are you blown away? We'll do two categories here, Corey. I'll give you a stat and you tell me, like, let's keep it simple. There's a wow, and then there's a holy shit, okay? That's what we're going to do. We're going to cuss a little bit. So you can either cool. say wow or holy shit. All right, here we go. I'll give you the stat. You tell me wow, holy shit. All right, so Nick Chubb, very simple here, okay? He's got 14, uh, sorry, four four 4,815 career rushing yards in, in his regular season. I'll give you a quick trivia question off the bat, Corey. What number did Nick Chubb wear before the first game in the regular season of his rookie year? Oh, my gosh. Oh, 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 man. I have it on the top of my head. It's not 27. It's 20. Is it 27? It was 31. Oh, 31. 31 I I thought it was. Yeah. There's a lot of rookie cards out there that have him in the jersey number 31. I think somebody I can't remember who got cut before that season that was wearing 24 that he took over 24. Think I feel it like was it Tyvis was, a, was Powell. It Kindred? I think it was Tyvis was Powell. Was it? Tyvis. Shout I'm out to Tyvis. Tyvis on this sure. podcast not too long ago. Um, that was would have been 2018. I thought it was Tyvis Powell's 22. Oh, it was Derek Kindred. No, he was 26 in all these pictures I'm looking up. Right. If you know this answer, somebody out there who knows it, 
feel free to uh, share that answer with us. We're going to move on. But Nick switched to 24 for the first game. But then it didn't matter because Hugh Jackson wouldn't play him in his rookie year until about halfway through when they were forced to uh, forced to play him because of Carlos Hyde. But anyway, all right, so Nick Chubb, uh, 4,815 yards. The Browns have a rich running back history, okay? Obviously rich running back history. We, we know about this. Their their quarterback history is terrible, laughable, and some of their other stats. Receiving stats are pretty bad too overall, but the running back stuff is crazy. Like Jim Brown with all of his career rushing yards, twelve thousand and change, were in Cleveland. Leroy Kelly was up above seven thousand. Uh, if Nick runs for a thousand yards this year, he will already be fourth all time. He sits at four thousand eight fifteen. He'll already be fourth on time. Is that a wow or holy shit? That's a wow. That's a wow for me. That's a wow. Yeah. All right. I like it. All right. Here we go. Next one. Since 2018. So since 2018, this is his rookie year. Derrick Henry has 5,653 rushing yards. Mad respect for Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb has 4,815 and Ezekiel Elliott has 4,772. Derrick Henry has done this, that 5,653 on 207 more carries over that time. Wow. That's a wow. Yeah, that's a wow. I, mean, I, knew, I know Nick Chubb is, is efficient. I know he's very efficient on a per touch basis, but that's that's a lot. That's a big difference. He's still he's still top five, even if you include the year he wasn't in the league in 2017. So if you go 2017 on, he's still top five from 2017 on. That's nuts. Here we go. Next stat comes from Bill Barnwell and the next gen NFL stats because we start to dig out some more deep dive stuff here. Uh, Nick Chubb is uh, facing a loaded box, which in this sense, loaded box means more defenders than blockers. So if you have six guys on the inline situation here, including a tight end, so you get six, that means they have seven. If you have five guys up front, they have six. So I don't think I need to do math with you here, but it just means they have more defenders. It's called a loaded box. The average running back gains 3.7 yards per carry. Nick Chubb versus loaded boxes. 63 attempts, 6.9 yards per carry, 153 yards over expectation, eight first downs over expectation. And that's not a one-year blip, says Bill Barnwell. Chubb in 2020 had against loaded boxes, 69 carries for 453 yards and five touchdowns, 173 yards over expectation, nine first downs over expectation. He has had the top three rushing yards over expected per carry against a loaded box since 2018. So his 2018, he had a plus 2.38 number. His 2021, he had a plus 2.43. And then a 2020, he had a plus 2.59. The next closest is Derrick Henry had a plus 1.90 in 2020. And a Philip Lindsay had a plus 1.71 in 2018. So it's a little crazy there. He uh, That to me is a holy shit. Do you agree? Because yeah, that's, 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 like that's a series of holy shits. It's a series like of a, holy shit. That's shits. a series of holy shits. Yeah, he is unbelievable when outnumbered. So I think I could start to look at the data and feel like, well, even when the situation doesn't dictate it, or they're going to gear up to stop it, he can still find a way to get it done. Pretty phenomenal. All right, next stat: Nick Chubb has averaged five point three zero yards per rush on nine hundred and eight career rushing attempts. Okay. That's the second highest career average in NFL history. Jamal Charles, the only one out in front of him. Underrated Jamal Charles. People don't talk mm-hmm. about Jamal Charles enough. 5.3. Yeah, I will Jamal never Charles. forget the, the Jerome Harrison, uh, Jamal Charles game. I will never forget that game. That was, that was a battle. So Nick was, uh, so Jamal 5.38, Nick 5.30. 
Jim Brown, 5.22. Mercury Morris, there's a name for you, 5.14. Aaron Jones, 5.06. And Gail Sayers, 5.0. That, to me, this far into his career, it's a pretty wow. big holy shit. It's a, that's a holy shit, yeah. Yeah. That's a holy shit. All right, so he has a 91.7 grade since 2019. That's first in the NFL. He leads the league in 40-plus yard rushes since 2018. 13 of those 40-plus yard rushes that he's had, okay? have gone for 759 yards and seven touchdowns. 13 of those alone have gone for 759 yards and seven touchdowns. 10-plus yard rushes since the start of 2020. So we're moving forward a little bit here. This lets Jonathan Taylor get involved, who everyone thinks is infinitely better. So since 2020, Taylor, in significantly more rushes, has 88 10-plus yard carries. Cook has 82. That's Dalvin Cook, and Nick Chubb has 80. All right, here's the good one. Since the start of 2019, he has 180, 181 missed tackles forced since just the start of 2019, clearly first in the NFL. So we're past uh, some holy shit stuff. I'm just giving you stuff right. that I've found. Here's another random one. Average yards per carry in the fourth quarter since 1994, a minimum of 200 attempts. Number one is Nick Chubb at 6.1. Number two, what's up, Mike Vick? 5.6. Number three, Jamal Charles, 5.4. Four is Charlie Garner, 5.2. Derrick Henry, 5.1. Adrian Peterson, 4.8. Marshall Falk is down at 4.5. LT is at 4.2, so on and so forth. It's um, it's pretty crazy how good he is in the fourth quarter. When, when things matter, we talk about this a lot about Nick, how good he's been in the fourth quarter. So that's just data stuff I've just ripped off, just found. I mean, you can look at the stats about how he's done – over the years, the the thing that went down a little bit, he actually has, has had he had his worst grading season. Now, again, you can give grading running game is really hard. It's really hard. He has gone over. He had an 89.7 rushing grade his rookie year in 18. He had a, a 90.3 rushing grade in 2019 He had an 83.7 in 20. And then last year was an 80.6. Now. I mean, his yards after contact were up from the year pre- previous. He had the same missed tackles forced. He had his most 10-plus yard rushes in a season with uh, 41, right? The big difference was that the Browns jumped his gap versus zone scheme stuff. He um he had over 100 zone runs in every season, Corey, but this mm-hmm. past year was only 85, so that moved a little bit. Um, breakaway runs. He had seven rushes, 17 rushes of 15 yards or more 62 first down runs. He caught 20 of 25 targets for 174 yards. Didn't drop anything. So, you know, obviously a pretty good season. Uh, he continues to get better and better. We can look at him, uh, as compared to his peers in the rushing grades. You know, we can look at halfback rushing grades last year. Uh, if we did a minimum uh, number of attempts of, so, something like 50% of a 332 attempts is your, is your baseline. He graded out eighth in the league. He has had years. Obviously, if we go back to 2020, he graded out. It's going to be a little bit of time here. It just loads up sixth in 2020. This is just, again, rushing grades. And I, I'm not totally like I trust quarterback grades a, a good bit. Rushing grades are dicey for me. He had the highest rushing grade by far in 2019 with a 90.3. Josh Jacobs was second 
an 86.9. And then his rookie year, I don't know if he's going to have the requisite number of attempts his rookie year playing the shortened period. It looks like he did. He had the second highest grade right behind Melvin Gordon and out in front of Derrick Henry. So, you know, I mean, obviously ridiculously impressive stuff. Here's a random thing for you, Corey. He had 25 missed tackles forced around the left end last year. That's a really high number. He had no other area. I mean, the outside of the right, he went, you know, they give you the stats for every rushing direction outside left end or going over left tackle, left guard, midline, left midline, right, right guard, right tackle, right end. He had 49 attempts for 284 yards going around left end whenever he bounced it. So he had 25 missed tackles forced there, which is a bit of an outlier. If you go back and look at detailed data here, he he pretty much was even every season, but I don't know, maybe he was just feeling it around left end this past season because that's a high number of missed tackles forced at 25. Sometimes this can give you an indicator of where a guy's most comfortable running, but I found that one to be particularly interesting looking at all that. And like you mentioned, Corey, the run game, sorry, receiving game, he's just an efficient receiver. He had a high volume of targets in the passing game one time. He's had in 2018, he had 28 targets, 2020 had 27, 2021, he had 25, but in 2019, he had 45. That was the 19 year was where he got a a bunch of, a bunch of action. So that was Freddie Kitchens year. He had 36 catches on 45 targets for 278 yards. So, you know, I think he catches the ball. Well, he's able to do some things. If you give him simple routes, hitches, square ends. Can do some of those things. They've used him in empty and thrown it to him down the sideline on a vertical concept once. Nothing crazy, but he's a runner through and through, and the system works for him. And and to me, looking at the contract this year, Corey, he gets um, what are we in? 2022. He so his cap number is only five million. It jumps up to 14 million next year and 16 million the year after that with some pretty substantial savings. So um, if you do a, if they were to, to post June one designate, he probably is locked in through 23, but 2024 gets dicey because they could save uh, 12 million, 12.2 and only lose four to the cap. So at the least he's here through the next two years, I feel good about that. But the question starts to become this. Did they get, have they gotten enough out of Nick? We know what they're doing here. He's 27. They've clearly been saying we're going to play this game where we try to still get peak Nick Chubb. We, you know, it's not hard to see their 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 end goal here. We're not going to give him a crazy volume season because, like, if you look at even Jonathan Taylor, right? Like, Jonathan Taylor has had, um, and I and I told you what Nick has had basically his career is right around 200 yards receiving. Or sorry, 200. Um, 200 attempts in total uh, most seasons. He got up to 298 in 2019. Jonathan Taylor had 232 his rookie year and then 332 last year. Is there, are they doing enough? Should they be doing that with him? Should they give him a couple of, of crazy workload seasons here? Or is it fine to use him how they've used him and still there's they've gotten enough value out of him in his time in Cleveland? Because I just don't know. I mean, like everybody's begging for this crazy, workload type of thing for him but he might never get it with these guys around him right i don't think he's ever going to get it i don't know if the browns are ever going to have a backfield that they're gonna as long as this current regime is in place i should say i don't think they're ever gonna they're ever gonna uh have a a crazy workload like that i just don't think that's the way they want to operate 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I lean that they don't, but it's like, man, should they have should they have? Should they have done this? Should they have unleashed him more than just one season in terms of we're gonna get this SOB three hundred carries this year, and he's gonna he's gonna get there if he's healthy. He's going to get there. That's what's interesting to me is like he's clearly as good as Derek. It, it feels like there's some people around him, Corey, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, and like Dalvin Cook. And I don't know. you. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but like that's the guys that tend to be around him. It feels like people are convinced Jonathan Taylor's better. They're convinced Derek Henry's better, and the data doesn't support it. And you can understand where like, Okay, the data doesn't support it, but what if Nick got that high volume all the time? Would it alter his rush yards over expected? Would it alter some of these um, efficiency metrics that he proves that he can do because he just hasn't had a bonkers 1,800? to? Because he could, if you gave Nick 335 carries, he would clearly get to, to, to 1,800 yards, right? Like, I don't think there's any question he wouldn't. He would push that threshold for me. He would get very close to it. At least that's what I think. I think he's every bit as good as those guys if you give him that volume. But like we've said, I don't think it's going to happen really. So it starts to beg the question, have they gotten enough out of Nick Chubb? So we'll switch to the categories because I think that question is fair and it's all ultimately unanswerable right now. You know, it's like you can keep saving your running back, but eventually he's 30. <laughs> I mean, like mm-hmm, right. Nick's contract is going to push toward his – 30 year old season and it's like at that point you're not going to overwhelm his body at that point but maybe they're trying to see how far along they can get him i don't know but um i would say let's let's talk our categories uh what what do you think is his the best part of nick's game i think we've kind of covered it here but i'll give you a chance to hit lead off on that and then i'll i'll, I'll yeah. give you my thoughts too so best best part of nick chubb's uh football game yeah, so I mean, the best part, in my opinion, is, is his eyes. It's his vision, how fast his eyes are operating. Um, it's almost amazing uh, to watch in real time. Because like, when I watch tape, I have to watch it in you know 0.75 speed to really kind of to kind of get a gist. And sometimes I have to watch it slower than that. And of course, I'm not an NFL running back. But the the the, the rush lanes that Nick Chubb is able to identify in real time is just staggering. Especially like 
I don't know, maybe Dalvin. Him and Dalvin, I would say, are the only two who have the ability to to really seek out those backside cuts and exploit them the way they do. Like, it's not an easy thing for an NFL running back to do, and I, I feel like Nick and Dalvin are probably the only two that, that just have the ability, the innate ability to just be like, all right, there's a backside cut. I'm putting my foot in the ground. I'm heading right, I'm heading right up field. Um, so I would say that's that would be his best his best trademark. Yeah, the vision stuff is bananas. The way he's able to to one cut and get downhill or one cut to bounce or he can even do some stuff some some in and out cuts to make people miss and contact balance is elite. There's so many elite parts of what he does. You're right on with the vision, the contact balance, the ability to be scheme diverse, both gap and and zone schemes. I mean, I think he's the ultimate zone runner, and they they haven't done enough. I'll ask you this, and this kind of interrupts our flow of questions here, but do you think that they should, like, okay, if they start Jacoby Brissett six games, eight games, 12 games, whatever Watson gets, they, they were the Browns were quite obvious. This is an important question. The Browns were quite obviously challenging Baker Mayfield often last year, in the year before, where they're like, prove us – that you can you can be this two hundred million dollar quarterback you think you are. They have that settled, and they're going to have some suspension settled. It's it's going to happen, some sort of suspension. Should this be the year that they go crazy with Nick? Like give him three hundred carries, but like the run game in general. Let's let them go crazy. Like is this the ultimate? Let's make life on Jacoby Brissett as easy as we can make it. Let's get Nick two hundred and eighty carries. Let's get Kareem uh, up up close to a hundred, something like that. Should they go all in on run game with Jacoby Brissett? Is this the time to do it until Watson returns? Yeah, so I was actually going to say that. I think that's a, a really good point, especially depending on again we talked you talked about Jack's article a little bit, and and I think there is some merit to Kareem Hunt having a six point two million dollar cap hit this year. Like that's a lot of money for a running back that could roll over into to years that it's going to get kind of dicey salary cap wise. Uh, so there is credence to that, I think. And also, like, if that does happen, like, you're not going to – you don't really seek out opportunities to get Dearness Johnson on the field the way you did Cremont. Like, Dearness stepped up when he needed to, and that's great, but he's not a guy – Other like, if he's the number two guy, he's going to be a change of pace guy, not a guy that, like, you're trying to get looks the way you do with Cremont. So uh, that plus – plus, yeah, we know who Jacoby Brissett is. Um I do think Kevin Stefanski really, really, really wants to throw the ball more than he's been able to the last two years. Um, so I, I don't know if they'll run the ball more, um, but I, I don't think they'll run the ball less with Jacoby Brissett, I guess is the way to say it. But we know what Jacoby is, so maybe, you know, maybe. But I do think, especially depending this Kareem situation heading into to the regular season, I think uh, this would be, I would say, probably the last year of the window for me to get. Yeah, it just makes the most sense to me in terms of they're going to push this guy eventually. They should uh, to get the money out of the contract. And if you're going to go crazy, now's the time because you know who Bursette is. You're not trying to figure out anything more about him than what you already know. You want to make the life as easy on him as possible. You have a run game that's built this way through your offensive line and your in your stable of running backs. It just indicates to me that with the Watson suspension, they should be going crazy on winning ugly games and running the football uh, should be a massive, massive priority for them uh, to make everything with Brissett less, less restrictive. And again, I understand with Mayfield what they were trying to do, especially example in 2021, where they were just trying to figure out what, what was this guy? What could they, could they keep him around? Was he the answer of the future? So I totally get that for, for Nick, the area of improving is interesting. I don't, do you think there's anything he needs to either 
uh, prove or uh, to to get a little bit better. I thought last year he was a little he was he was not elite Nick in terms of vision. But again, I think the usage was a little different than he was accustomed to with a lot of the gap stuff they were doing because of the tackle injuries they were facing, trying to make life on those tackles easier. So it was just less of what he loves to do. I don't really think there's an area that Nick needs to improve on. I guess he could prove more as a, a receiver, but I don't really want him doing that, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, no, because we, like we talked about earlier, like there, I don't think there's a hole in his game and when they do call his number as a receiver, like he's not a liability. So I think that's what you want. Like you're not going to seek out to, like, he's not, you know, the kind of guy you're going to split out and try to get mismatched. Like it's not going to happen, but he does what he needs to do as a receiver when they, when they call his number. So I think that's fine. I think that's perfect. Um, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I guess longevity, maybe health. He, he's, he's seen some injuries, but like that's, that's his, that's not really an aspect of his game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I don't really, I mean, this is one of the few guys, I mean, the Browns have some guys and we'll talk miles Denzel later in the year, but like, or later next month when, when we get to defense, it's so, I mean, it's okay. He doesn't have holes, right? Like he, if you're an elite guy, like Nick is an elite guy. It's it's, there's not much here for this guy to really fix. So I think that's okay. Uh, we don't have to really reinvent the wheel here. He could be a little better. I think overall as a runner, um, uh, in terms of just, just, there were some games last year where I was like, that's not usually a hole that he misses or that's not, there's a cut there that I thought he missed, but it's again, it's splitting hairs and the game's moving a million miles per hour. But Nick is just such a savant. I've always called him a two beat ahead runner, similar to the way LeBron is like a two beat ahead basketball player where they just see things unfold before it actually transpires. So he still was really good last year. I mean, really, really, really good, obviously. So uh, I guess we'll talk good, great, uh, great, good, and bad examples of a year. Like to me, if he if he gets, if he continues to have, uh, uh, if he could push up again, his last two years, five point five yards per attempt. He ran for thirteen hundred yards, eight touchdowns. I, I mean, that's still a great season. If he can push that same five point five and above yards per attempt, get to two hundred and fifty carries and fourteen hundred and some yards and ten touchdowns, that's a great outcome, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Again, the status quo of what he's been is, is a great outcome in my opinion. Um, yeah, again, yeah. I mean, I, I guess maybe what we were talking about, maybe that's the good outcome and maybe the great outcome is, you know, he does have that dynamite season, but I mean, based on yeah, what the status quo has been with it. Nick, I mean, I would say that would be great. Eight touchdowns, you know, 11 to 1300, somewhere around there. 5.5 per carry. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, too. I think a bad outcome, and again, the standards are different than Nick for Nick than they are a lot of other guys, is if he does dip below five yards per carry, right, or five yards per attempt. If that number dips below, if he gets 228 carries or 230 or 240, 250, and doesn't cross like the thresholds we're used to seeing, so if he's under five a carry, he barely gets over 1,000 yards, and we start to notice some, like, hey, we're seeing some things. He's 27. We're seeing some things we don't we don't want to that, mm-hmm. like that's a, a, something I don't want to say. So he's he's not. I should say again, they have him listed at 27 on um, over the cap. I should be careful here. He doesn't turn 27 until December 27th. So he plays this entire year at 26. So that that changes things a little bit. They're aging him by a year a little there. Um I get it because he turns 27 in season, but that's late in the season. So he's playing his 20 age 26 season here. So 
yeah, I'd say if he dips below five yards per carry, the touchdown numbers don't really work out uh, in terms of they stay below. I mean, he's had eight rushing touchdowns in three of his four seasons. He had 12 rushing touchdowns, ironically, in Mm -hmm. 2020 when he had his fewest number of carries. But, you know, that's got to climb. I would like to see a double-digit one if he fell below eight and below touchdowns. Like, that would be a bad outcome. But we don't want to start – it's going to happen eventually, Corey, where we're going to say – you know, I'm kind of noticing it with Nick a little bit. Either he's not seeing that wow. cut or the cut's not happening quick enough, and I just don't want to have that. They need two good, very good, great Nick Chubb seasons. I think he still has those in him, clearly, at 26 and 27, but I think if you're talking about what would be a bad outcome this year, the the uh, the, the yards per temp fall, the, the rush yards overexpected, which have still been elite the past three years, that starts to slip a little bit. That's where I would start to say, that's a bad season, but I don't think we're going to get that. I think the status quo of Nick is what I would expect. He's going to push the five and a half yards per attempt threshold. If they get him 240 attempts, he'll get over 1350, 1400 yards. And as we've said here, he could, he could have a bananas year. If they decide to just go crazy running the football, I could see them pushing him upward of 300 carries. And that probably yields something in the 1600 and 1700 yard range for him. That's definitely possible if they commit to that because they're afraid of what happens with the suspension. So I don't know, man, he's really good. Corey, any closing words on this guy? I mean, he's really fun and we should continue <laughs> to just really enjoy them. We got to enjoy him, man, because he's, he's so special. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, we're talking about a guy like, Oh, if he dips below five yards to carry, that's when we know he's starting to feel some of those aging effects. It's like usually four <laughs> yards per carry is kind of that standard. And we're like, Oh man, if he dips below five, then we got to start talking. Uh, he's again, he's really good. You said your your closing words were about what I got. He's he's really good. He is gifted, and he should he should be a huge part of carrying the Browns. I mean, he should be the focal point at the top of the whiteboard for the coaches. How do we get through six, eight, twelve games of the suspension at quarterback? Well, this is the guy, and we got to figure out how to use him as often as we can to alleviate the issues. Yeah, we're going to get Kareem and, and Dearness involved and we're going to throw it a little bit, but this should be the focus. So hopefully they do that. Listen, this was fun, Corey, man. We uh, obviously appreciate your time and insights on this, uh, on this, this running back star that we've been very lucky to watch, man. Absolutely. Really appreciate having me on Jake. Okay. Shout out to Corey for joining today's show. Thanks to you guys for checking out this episode. A reminder that we will be back tomorrow, uh, obviously looking at the next two guys and I'll talk about the rest of the camp bodies as well. And we'll touch on Jerome Ford too, uh, because he will be a part of that. Uh, probably do a little bit of closing running back stuff in that pod as well. Sort of doing two and twos on these preview, uh, episodes, but We'll see. Maybe we'll close out with Jerome Ford and a little bit uh, of that on Wednesday to close out the position, talk about the camp bodies and stuff like that, because I do think this running back two debate is one that's quite interesting and there's a lot of angles to look at it. So we'll check back in with more on running backs tomorrow. Check out quarterbacks from last week. If you did not see them, check out the OBR's website. More great stuff coming this week. We will not have anything up on Twitch other than the Garage Beers podcast this week. We are resetting Twitch, taking a break. It's the summer. Viewership is down because you guys are doing things, obviously, and don't have time to sit around and watch a Twitch show. So we're going to take a break off, recharge the batteries, and come back the week after this one uh, with with some uh, some of the same stuff and some of the new stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Thanks, guys, anyway, for checking out today's episode. Join us at the OBR. We love your membership. Love your support. Thanks for checking out this podcast the way you guys do, continuing to support it. We're already over a half a million downloads for the year. 
which is bananas to me. Over a half a million. We haven't even hit the fun stuff in terms of the football season. You guys are the best. I appreciate you more than you know. Have a great Monday. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.